This is Brain Diet, episode number 33. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. How are you? What's going on? Today we're talking about emotional allowance and I'm really excited about it. When I put together these podcast episodes, I try to create topics based on a number of different things that I kind of consider each week as I plan these episodes. And I first and foremost try to teach things that I have personally applied to my life and have used and has been useful to me. I'm not going to teach something that I don't believe in or that I don't personally use. And I'm still using these tools. I am always a work in progress. It's not that I am a master per se, but holy cow, using these tools that I teach on this podcast are life-changing. And even as we are a continual work in progress, always, these things make life so much more fun. So that's the first thing I consider is what is something that I personally use that I love. The second thing that I try to focus on is I try to teach things that make you think differently. I try to give you something that makes you kind of stop for a second and think, wait, I've never thought about things that way before. Because sometimes that's what it takes to recognize the stories that our brain tells us and to recognize them just as stories. To be like, wait, there's a different way of thinking about things? There's a different way to think about this specific topic? Because that's so much fun. When we can realize that we can think differently about something and then we just decide to do it, it's like magic. So that's the other thing I take into consideration. The third thing that I like to pay attention to is I try to teach things based on what topics I'm encountering with clients throughout the week. So in one given week, I coach about 50 sessions, five zero. It's a lot of people that I coach in a week. And what we're talking about today, emotional allowance, is something that is kind of one of those really basic parts of coaching that's so hard to see in ourselves. Sometimes our brains are so complicated to us that it can be really difficult to see them for what they are and to see our mindsets for what they are and to see our thoughts for what they are. And so this specific topic today, I want to give you as kind of a leg up to help you see inside your brain a little bit. And I will say that having a coach helps immensely with this. Having someone see your brain from an outside perspective is just a night and day difference in terms of the ability to like see what's actually going on. But I still think this episode can be really useful in teaching about emotional allowance because it helps make life so much better, like I said. And that's what I'm here to try and help you do is to make your life better. So when it comes to thought work, and when I say thought work, it's a term that we use in coaching when we are talking about examining our brains and examining the way that we think. Because when we are working on our thoughts, we can change the way that we feel, we can change the way that we act, and we can change the results that we create in our life. It's so cool. All it takes is just looking at the sentences in our brain. So when we do thought work, The basis of it is that we think a certain way and it makes us feel a certain way. 
And we can decide to think a different way on purpose and feel a different way on purpose. So what happens is people will come to me and say, I'm feeling terrible, just help me feel better. And this is where emotional allowance comes in because coaching and doing thought work, working on our minds, isn't necessarily about feeling better. Coaching and thought work are about feeling. Okay, I want you to hear me here. Mental health is about feeling what we're feeling. As humans, we all feel emotions, right? And some of us are just more familiar with them than others because it takes practice to feel our feelings. And when we have a lack of familiarity with our own emotions, it can be difficult to feel our feelings and it can be difficult to understand what's happening in our brain. And so that's why when we do this work of examining our brains and examining our emotions, we develop an intimacy with ourselves that is so powerful that we can know ourselves more deeply than any other person. Because when that's true, you're able to accomplish amazing things. Like I think of in a relationship with a partner, how we will often say like, I know them better than anyone. And knowing someone that deeply is a different relationship than you would have with any other person. And so it's really important that we take the time to develop that intimacy with ourselves, to be able to understand what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and to have compassion for ourselves all the way through it. So in terms of allowance of emotion, I wanted to reference a quote that Jody Moore had posted on Instagram. She said, things get exponentially better when you stop believing that they should be better than they already are. Things get exponentially better when you stop believing that they should be better than they already are. Okay, so this encapsulates a little bit what it means to just accept your feelings and to feel them and to allow them, right? Our purpose as humans, one of our purposes as humans, is to experience a full range of emotion. If we didn't have that full range, we wouldn't have to feel the full range of emotions. And as humans, in order to know one emotion, we have to know its opposite. I teach a concept that our lives are a balance of 50-50 because of this, because we have to have the equal and opposite in all things that we feel. So when we can take this concept and internalize it and recognize that half the time, life is just going to suck. Half the time, relationships are just going to suck. Half the time, pursuing our goals, it's just going to suck. When we can just accept that sometimes, half the time, things just aren't that great, Like the acceptance alleviates so much pain over wishing things were different than they are. Okay. So when I talk about emotional allowance, like the definition of allowance is the amount of something that is permitted. Now, what we tend to do is when we feel a negative emotion, we don't permit it to be there. 
We don't allow it to be there. We don't give a whole lot of permission to our negative emotion. And what I want to offer you today is that it is incredibly liberating to give yourself an unlimited allowance of negative emotion. Now, you might come back at me and say, if I just allow myself to feel negative emotion all the time, then I'm just going to feel crappy all the time. And it's interesting because the opposite is true based on Jody's quote, that things actually get better when you just accept, yeah, sometimes life's just crappy. What you are feeling is what you are feeling. (laughs) So you can either give it permission and allowance to be there, or you can just ignore it, but it's going to be there either way. We can't really get rid of our feelings. Feelings are vibrations in our bodies. And in order for vibrations to process through us, they have to have the space and allowance to do so. But it's going to be there whether you do this or not. So really, you just kind of have to take that into consideration that it's going to be there either way, right? But sometimes it can be difficult to parse out the root emotion and just accept it as it is. And that's why learning how to do this can actually make you feel so much better, even if it's still feeling a negative emotion at the end of the day. And I want to give you some examples to illustrate this. So in one of my sessions this week, a mom came to me and she was so sad about her son who is in high school, who is doing um, virtual learning because of the pandemic. He is social distancing and having his entire high school education online right now. And she was feeling so upset about it and trying to just have a different perspective. And she just wanted to feel better about it. And I told her, I said, if we were to zoom out a little bit of his life and say, your son is a teenager having his perfect teenage experience, like that is a thought available to her. She can believe that if she wants, but she wasn't allowing herself to feel what she was feeling. And in that moment, she was bummed out that her son didn't get to hang out with friends and go to dances and have social interaction in the same way that she did as a high school student. And again, it's not that she needs to just have a different perspective. If she tries to force that perspective on herself that she doesn't yet believe, then it's not going to work, right? It's kind of that resistance of what she's actually feeling. And what she was actually feeling was this bummed out. And so once we kind of discovered that, it was just like, oh, I just kind of want to be bummed out about this because it's a tricky time and we're all adapting and having to do things that we haven't done before and that are different from how we did them when we were growing up but that that's okay. We can just be bummed out about it. We don't have to be mad about feeling bummed out or we don't have to be upset about feeling bummed out. We just have to feel bummed out. Another example is when the country first went into shelter in place and we were having to stay home, social distance, all the things, there were so many events and different things in people's lives that were canceled, you know, weddings and conferences and all the things. And I had a client that had booked a major speaking engagement that was in the middle of July. And it was so exciting and exciting for her and for her business. And she'd been working so hard for it. And it was 
so fun when she told me that she got this speaking engagement. And when the pandemic hit, that conference was entirely canceled. And so she came to a session and she was trying to be like, well, you know, it's okay. Maybe it'll happen another time. I, other people have had weddings canceled and things that are a much bigger deal. And she was trying to be quote unquote rational about it was kind of how she described it to me, but she wasn't allowing herself to be sad that things went differently than she thought they would go. And this happens all the time in our lives where we have a plan for how something is going to go and then it goes differently. And we create all sorts of pain because the plans don't match. And it can be kind of funny when we look at it, but even still, we have to allow ourselves to feel that pain. Because if that's what we're feeling, we can either, again, give it permission or ignore it, but it's going to be there either way. The next example that I want to give is a really really common one. I had a client come to a session today, in fact, and she said, I am starting a business and I just am feeling so much self-doubt. Like there's no way I can do this. It's not going to be possible for me to hit the money goals and hit the time frame that I have. I just feel like this is such a joke and I don't know what I'm doing. And she had this whole dialogue of self-doubt that she was describing to me as if she were just kind of reporting the facts and was feeling all sorts of, you know, overwhelm and confusion. And what I offered her is that when we do anything outside of our comfort zone, something that we've never done before, our brain is going to have doubtful thoughts. It's going to provide us with reasons why we shouldn't do things or why we're not capable of doing things because it's something that we've never done before. And our brain thinks it's a little bit scary to do something that we've never done before. And As we talked about this, we entertained the idea of self-doubt just being a partner along for the ride as she does something that she's never done before. And as she's doing something that gets her out of her comfort zone. So instead of trying to dwell in this self-doubt and just spiral in it and make it mean all of these things about herself and her business, we just were kind of like, yeah, sometimes I doubt myself. So I'm just going to kind of carry that doubt around with me and keep going about my business. It doesn't have to mean I'm not enough. It doesn't have to mean that it's true that I'm not capable. It's just sentences that we can just carry around with us. And frankly, when you can change your relationship with self-doubt, and I discussed this with her, that when you can recognize that self-doubt is probably an indication that you're doing something to challenge yourself and that you're doing something to give yourself an opportunity to grow, you start to like befriend self-doubt a little bit. You're like, oh, I'm feeling some self-doubt. That must mean I'm doing something right here. (laughs) That must mean I'm pushing myself and that I'm doing something that's going to give me a greater reward in the end than if I don't do anything at all. And so we just allowed the self-doubt. We just like carry it around with us. And this is what I said to this client. We just make friends with it carry it around with us and just feel it. And it doesn't have to be a problem to be solved. It was amazing. We just allowed the self-doubt and didn't make it mean anything. So good, right? And the last example I want to give you is a personal one and is something that 
was such a powerful moment for me. I was personally coached on this topic. And again, even being a coach, I couldn't see my own brain for what was happening. But my husband and I, we have two kids. And when we had gotten married, we wanted four kids. And we'd kind of planned it out, the timing, all the things. And when I was going through my whole diagnosis last year, and I started chemotherapy treatments, it really threw a wrench into our plans. <laughs> and I felt so inconvenienced by it. Um, because of this condition that I have, and because of the lesions in my brain and spinal cord and all of the things, I have to be on these regularly scheduled infusions of a chemotherapy drug. And because of that, it prevents me from being able to have more kids. I'm perfectly like capable as a body, but because of this drug, I'm not able to. And so this last March, I realized it would have been time for us to start trying for baby number three. And I was so confused about how I wanted to feel about it. I was mad about it. I was sad about it. And I was trying to like talk myself out of it. And I just couldn't get to a solid place with it. And this coach who is just so incredible reminded me, like we talked through it and she said to me, what is it that's going on here? And after a whole conversation, it came down to this thought that I was having that I want to have another baby and I can't. And thinking that way makes me feel so sad, but that's just how I have to feel. Like, of course I'm feeling sad. So I'm just going to feel it all the way through. I'm just going to carry the sadness with me. And it's just going to be something that I give unconditional allowance to because that's what I want to feel. And I don't want to try and talk myself out of it. We can't actually talk ourselves out of pain if it's an emotion that we're feeling in the moment. And we shouldn't want to. If we're feeling pain, it's giving us information about ourselves and about our brains and about our bodies. And I wanted to keep this information that I was sad that we couldn't try for another baby, that we can't have another baby right now. Crossing my fingers for the future, maybe I don't know. <laughs> but trying to talk yourself out of pain, it's like if you had a rubber band and you're like pulling it apart. If the emotion was one side and you were the other, you would just create a whole lot of tension against it. And honestly, the tension would almost be worse than the emotion itself. And oh my gosh, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, I can't believe I just thought of this example. But there was a show on Cartoon Network that I watched as a kid, Dexter's Laboratory. And it's the stupidest show. And on it, Dexter and his sister, Dee Dee, they get, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm using this example. They get stuck in one of those Chinese finger traps, right? Where you like put a finger on, or you put a finger in each end. And then if you pull it apart, it gets tighter. And if you come close together, that's how you get out of it. And that is kind of what I'm envisioning here when it comes to emotions and allowing them because allowing them means like moving into them and coming closer to them, just like Dexter and Dee Dee do with their Chinese finger trap. And I mean, essentially like that visual illustrates how it's much more painful when we create tension from an emotion, when we try to talk ourselves out of it and we try to resist it and not give it the allowance that it needs to just process and to just be there and be the harmless emotion that it is. If we can open our eyes to emotions, to open up to them and just sit with them, 
we have so much more power over ourselves and power over our emotional experience. And I think about, you know, if you had visitors at your house and these visitors were emotions, like this is your home, you're the one in charge. But if you're trying to like run over to the happy house and you just leave sadness hanging out at your house alone, like, I don't know, that's not going to end well, right? If sadness is just alone and you're trying to like hightail it out of there. But if you're in your house and you have visitors come, you're the one in charge. You're the one saying, okay, let's have a conversation. I'm going to give you permission to be here for this amount of time. I'm going to allow you to be here, let you have your time, and then it's time for you to go. Giving yourself this unlimited emotional allowance helps remove the idea that any emotion is a problem to be solved. When I was growing up, my dad would give us $3 every Monday night if we had done our jobs around the house. This was the money that we were allowed if we had done what we needed to do, right? And I want you to think of me giving you $1,000 a day. That is your daily allowance for emotions. That's the type of emotional allowance that you have. If you have $1,000 and each dollar can be an emotion, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to spend $1 just feeling sad. I'm just going to like let the sadness be there. That's where I'm going to allow that. I'm going to spend a dollar feeling perturbed or annoyed or frustrated or happy or glad or concerned or confused or any other emotion. You have plenty of allowance to just let it all be there. I'm giving you permission and I'm giving you $1,000 in cash. You're welcome. (laughs) So your job is to name what it is you're feeling and be like Dee Dee and Dexter and come together with it and buddy up with your feelings a little bit. Give unconditional, unlimited allowance to what it is you're feeling. And give your brain the time to figure out what it is you're really feeling. If you really are upset about something or concerned about something or bummed out about something. See if you can identify that so that you can get to work in feeling it. In feeling your feelings. The truth is, when we feel worse, when we feel the negative emotions... It's in order for you to actually feel better because you accept that feeling worse is sometimes half the time, just part of being alive. It's part of being a human. I promise life is so much more enjoyable that way. When you just accept that things are the way they are supposed to be, and we can allow all of the negative emotions that come our way. I want to help you. Sign up for a free mini session. The link is in the show notes. You guys know the drill. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon.